What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. (laughs) Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Welcome back to A is for Alcoholic, the uh, the plug in your jug. Yo, you just <laughs> snuck it in on me because there's no countdown anymore. I was like, and then you just did it. You just snuck it in. You were just like, Bup, and I was like, wait, what? Wait, what are we doing? We're plugging um, that jug, dude. We're plugging that jug all day. The audio, the podcast plug in your in your alcoholic jug jug, your alcoholic jug jug. Mm -hmm. listen you you're on your run you're walking you're listening to middle-aged gen xers dealing with their problems um you know i mean (laughs) well my problems have been pretty mild as of late good i think i feel like it i mean you know work is whatever um but i'm not fucking sick and i mean i know that that that's kind of I mean, that's where we're at, right? I mean, that's yeah. the bar. That's I'm but not, not having COVID is the bar. Yeah. Or <laughs> I mean, it's a bar well, that for, is, for me. Right. Not drinking and not sick, you know, not drinking and not sick. Um, but you said you, you, you were talking before about the, the Michelada and the context and how you had a moment of like, Ooh, that was right. I knew you were going to bring this up too. I should have just brought it up when we were talking like right when we started rolling, but mm-hmm. yeah. So we went out to lunch we yeah. went out to show a house. I'll give you the long version. Okay. We went out to, Megan went to show a house and it was a person she had been contacting back and forth via email. So they weren't talking on the phone or anything. It was this woman. And so she's like, well, I don't, I don't even have this woman's phone number, but I need to show her this house down in uh, Southwest Tucson. And will you come with me? So I went with her and then we didn't have a, anybody to watch Olive. My parents are out of town. Mm-hmm. So we took Olive with and people no showed. So we were going to go get, you know, this like shaved ice thing. It's called a raspado. I'd like to roll that R hella hard, but it's called, it's called a raspado, but it's like shaved ice with flavoring. You know, it's just basic snow cone, but like a Mexican mm-hmm. snow cone. Place is closed. Megan says, let's go to lunch at this seafood place we used to always go to. And it's Mexican Sonoran, Mexican seafood. And uh, so I was like, yeah, let's go. And so that was my first restaurant in a whole year, you know, since March. First time I'd been in a restaurant. And we're all vaccinated, Megan and I are, you know, we're two, we're like 27 days into 25 days into Johnson and Johnson or whatever. And uh, so we're sitting there with no masks and she orders a Michelada, which is for you listeners who aren't familiar with that, who are on the West Coast. It's a beer with uh, Clamato in it and lime and spices and hot sauce. It's like a Bloody Mary, but with Clamato and beer instead of vodka. And so they brought it out to the table and they bring it out separately. They, and usually if you drink a Michelada, you want to drink it. I don't want to get <laughs> You don't want to drink it with like a, you want to drink it with a Pilsner, right? You want to drink it with a light beer, right? Like a light color. Beer. So mm-hmm. they bring out a Pacifico or a Tecate or something, which is 
you know, I don't want to get all like horny on that shit, you know, but like, so they bring out the Pacifico, which is one of my favorite beers. I hate beer, but I would drink that shit like water and they put it on the table and I had like a palpable urge to like order one or to like be near one or to like taste. Do you know what I mean? And it was mm-hmm. all the context of being in this Mexican restaurant with all the murals on the wall and everybody's socially distanced. There's like six people in this restaurant that seats like 50 you know, and all the tables are far apart, but there's all these giant, beautiful murals of like the Sonoran, the, 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 the ocean in Sonora, right. in the sea of Cortez there. And I'm looking at this beer and like, I can like feel it. Like I can feel my mouth, like starting to water a little bit. And it's not just for the alcohol. It's for the whole thing. It's for the salt and that fish and the lime, like all of it together. I just had this moment where I was like, I didn't, I was like, but it's funny though, because the, 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 that seatbelt of recovery kicked in where I was like, maybe you can order one NA, like maybe you can just order one with like an NA beer, which what's a fucking NA beer, like a gross ass Heineken. Like, ugh, man, I've never even had a non-alcoholic beer in my life. I never have. I never even, why try them when I was drinking, but I did it because we've talked about me and the Micheladas before and where I'm making with club soda and you know, drink a fucking bottle of Clamato and end up with a salt bloke. Yeah. Cause my alcoholic mind, the, the, the <clears throat> uh, compulsive part of me kicks in and I want to drink eight <clears throat> instead of enjoy mm-hmm. one. It's like having a coffee and it's good. And you just know you only need that one coffee because that caffeine will get you through until you need the next hit of caffeine hours later. Typically you don't bang out six coffees in a row. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. like I'm going to have six cups of coffee in one city. Maybe some people do, but for me personally, I don't. But with a Michelada, I would drink four or five, six in a row because they had the alcohol kept fueling, mm-hmm. fueling the fucking the, the beverage, you know, like right. to, to imbibe it. And so I did have a little moment there. And it was, that was like one of the one of the you, rare ones I've had yeah. in recovery, dude. Yeah. You it mentioned so it too. Like you said, I this is where I was. I remember this. The context of it was that I was often hung over and going to get that Michelada. In that in that restaurant, because we'd be hungover, uh-huh. Megan would be like, "You want to go to Mariscos?" Because the place is called Mariscos Chihuahua. She goes, "You want to go down there and get micheladas?" Because they made the best ones I had, and there's nothing to it, dude. They don't do anything special. There's no bacon in it or a donut. You know how you get a Bloody Mary? You'd get a Bloody Mary back in the day, and it have like a claw, yeah, a fucking deviled egg on it, you know, fucking pork Pump shake sandwich. in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. There's like nothing to it. It's just all scaled down, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a lot of the context too. It wasn't just the beverage. It was everything surrounding the beverage. Yeah. And there wasn't relief there. That's the funny thing. I will break it open and say, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, I was like, if I drink this Michelada, I'll have relief, the relief of alcohol. I was just like, I want that salty mixed with that flavor. Like I want, right. I'm craving that. So I don't know if it was a craving for alcohol or it was just a craving for that one kind of moment in time where the there was like not a lot of con like I didn't feel like there were a lot of consequences to it. Right. I think too, you know, you you just it was just a moment in time. It's just a little flash. Yeah. Oh and yeah. I think, yeah. And I, I didn't think, even think about that feeling until I started talking to you. Yeah. Like I, I just I let it pass and I was like, well. Do you think like too you're so you were so used to that context, that building, that like sitting there mm-hmm. being like in such pain and hung over. And then mm-hmm. this thing would bring you like in the past, like relief. And so like maybe in some sort of muscle memory or, or back of the back of your brain, this is like absolutely this is where we get to feel good. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's absolutely what it is. Yeah. You know? Which I think in in early recovery, if you can try to avoid that kind of shit 
it'll, uh, always... it'll, it'll be really beneficial to your recovery, you know, to avoid those kind of situations that, you know, will put you in that mind frame, because even for a guy like me who feels like, and time doesn't matter how much time you have, because all we have is the day, you know, but for me to be like, man, I've got like almost seven years, almost, you know, like, ah, I, you know, cause I get cocky. I might got this handled. I can be around drunk people. I can be around bars, you know, and then you go sit in a fucking Mexican food restaurant and be like, man, that... <laughs> the eyes glaze over, you know, get all half lit. like half a Pacifico and some Clamato juice. Like, <laughs> well, dude, you know, and it, what, it was one Pacifico. It doesn't mm -hmm. do anything. It just makes you pee. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I get those, I've had those moments and you say like early recovery a month or two into my recovery, like maybe a month, six weeks, mm -hmm. I went to go sit at the bar that I used to work at dude mm -hmm. slid me a drink. And I immediately mm -hmm. took a straw taste without even like thinking about it. Cause it was like, right. this is just mm -hmm. normal reaction to everything around me. You know, we've, we've done it for so many years that you just becomes normal. So I guess right. avoid mm -hmm. it until you until you don't have to or right and it's hard to avoid but there are certain situations and people to avoid man all my drinking friends ghosted on me that's fine yeah except for you then you're like let's start a podcast <laughs> but all my other drinking friends pretty much disappeared which is fine because they have shit to do their shit is to drink my shit is to not you know it's all right and i was talking to my mom about this the other day because she's got a ton of recovery you know she's got a few decades on her She's like, man, you don't think I'd want like every once in a while, I just want a glass of wine with my food. She's like, I always, not always, but I do frequently go, God, big glass of red wine would be good right now. But that's just, it is what it is. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like you yeah. just don't, you just don't. It's just like the times that I would wish I could fly to <laughs> some shit I can't do, you yeah. know, like it just, because is, for you to try and fly, you would have to jump off a cliff and break my other fucking leg or break my <laughs> mm -hmm. fucking everything. You know, it's just like for yeah. my mom to have that glass of wine, it comes with the next glass of wine mm -hmm. and the next glass of wine, you know, over and over and over again, ad infinitum. What I really want is to drink without consequences. And I know that right. that's we talked possible, about this, right? like, I think the week before last week when I was like, and I know it sounds like a, I don't want to say it sounds like a bold statement, but I know it sounds kind of um, like taking a step backwards when I said that a few weeks ago or maybe last week where I was like, if I could drink again, I would, you know, and I know that sounds kind of uh, the opposite of proactive. Do you know what I mean? It mm -hmm. sounds like, but it's just in my nature, you know, mm -hmm. and, and like, and then that's what you had said. You want to drink without consequences. And I'm like, yeah, well, who doesn't, but me <laughs> more right. so than anybody else, you yes. know? Yeah. Or at least in my mind, you know? <clears throat> Yeah, Cause I was life of the party drink number one through five, mm -hmm. but I never yeah. stop at five. I never stopped at five. No, I only why stopped would at you? five when we ran out or they told me I couldn't. Right. Or and there even was then, nothing I else. Figure like, a way got... out to get mm -hmm. six through 12. Mm -hmm. God, six, six, six through floor. Right. Trying to fucking, you know, <clears throat> trying to plan it out and be like, I'm just going to have so much. I'm not going to black out tonight. I think I'm just going to brown out. Maybe just catch a nice little buzz and I'm going to go home. Oh, brown out. Yeah, that was yeah, that dude. was my that was my uh that was my what would be okay just a little brown out just a little just get a little fuzzy get a little hazy maybe not remember everything i said i had these people come into the restaurant the other night and they were fucking they showed up in a stretch limo with their kid and there's like this four group of four people and then they had to like they were upset that they couldn't get a limo back and i'm i'm like 
there's a cab. Like, I don't, I can't help you. Like you didn't, if you have enough money for a fucking stretch level, make it wait during dinner. You know what I mean? That's what I would have done. But they were just a mess and they were hammered when they got there. And it was just the, the epitome of just slop. And they were an hour late too, by the way. (laughs) And it was just a whole fucking thing. And I was like, Oh my God, that, it's like really there, but for the grace of God, like how many times have I been out with people and just mm-hmm. been, you know, overly apologetic and overly like nice to the point of being gross, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew that I was kind of fucked up and weird and like yeah, trying to new be... shit was going to come with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're but... talking about planning it too. I remember when you worked at the Balmar and I would come mm-hmm. up to you sweating with a sweaty five in my hand already fucked up and being like, John, just, just make me drink like you would for a sorority girl. <laughs> make me you know, sweet. I just make, but even but just make me some, make me drink, but don't put as much liquor in it and I'll pay you full price. I just need to hold yes. the drink. And then you would make me these weird Campari drinks that were like, had a lower alcohol content. So I could still continue to drink. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it just never worked for me. I watched a movie the other night. I think we might, review it it was that you had sent me an email regarding this movie this mads mickelson movie called another round mm-hmm. was a uh de- from denmark it was a movie about three guys who uh, four teachers who try to experiment with alcohol and they're talking about some fucking philosopher who had said you know every human being is born with 0.05 less alcohol in their system than they need basically saying if your blood alcohol level is a 0.05 like your life you can skate you drop your inhibitions things get easier and Mm -hmm. so they try to experiment with this and write a paper on it and show up to work like with that point 0.05 which is like three drinks Mm -hmm. and then they keep upping the ante trying to go higher to the point where they're like let's try to get to the maximum amount of alcohol we can get our systems before we pass out and course it all comes to consequences some people take it too far and shit but it was just very interesting to think of the concept of trying to level off and i kept telling megan this doesn't work you can't ever stay steady because it your liver will not process the alcohol as fast as you are drinking the alcohol the liver can't keep up your brain can't keep up so you can say i want to stay at a 0.05 all night but once you're at that 0.05 you start to piss it out and process it and so you try to get that drink bit to get back up to that level place, but you mm-hmm. always overcorrect. You can never, because mm-hmm. it just stacks up on top of whatever you have. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're at a 0.05 and you pee it out and you, you know, drink some water, you get down to a 0.03 and you're like, I got to get back up to that 0.05. The fucking math and chemistry involved in that is like genius levels. <laughs> because when he was trying to do that at one point. was <laughs> Right. And so once you drink, to try to get back up to that level. Let's say you're even doing it mathematically. Let's just say, I want that steady, even buzz all night. It's not going to work. I mean, someone out there is listening going, I figured it out, but you know, you just stack it. You just stack it. You're just stacking more alcohol on top of the alcohol you have. So you're just, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're just getting drunker each time you think you're maintaining, but the whole time you're just getting more and more fucked up. You know, we, we can and never, you're not going to process every single drink the same. And maybe there's nope. food in between and maybe mm-hmm. there's ice down water or maybe there's right. not. And maybe you're whatever. It depends on what you did the day before. And you need to be like laying in a hospital bed in completely perfect in your conditions. Do you know what uh-huh. I mean? It's not a night out in Seattle in Ballard right. you know, or, or a night out in, in, in Eugene, Oregon between the four bars trying to, 
hit that perfect light spot where you're one straight line drunk all night. It never happens. Never happens. Never happened for me. I mean, I'm, I try to think of like, there's just, no, there's never been like a perfect drunk. I mean, there's, I can't remember the like, oh, I had the most beautiful night of just sloppy drinking all night long or I've had them, John. I'm not gonna lie. I've had them. I, I think that I think I've had moments where I was like, this is great. And I remember sitting in mm-hmm. Maddie's truck with him drinking fucking sparks out of a Nalgene bottle. And I felt yeah. really good. And there was lots of say? fun stuff. It'll and he, never go away or whatever. Something yeah. I see. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I said, I said, I said, Maddie, I, I just want to be this drunk all the time. And he looks at Maybe me. Maybe I guess you mean as Damn. far as like keeping it on a base, a homeostasis yeah. base level. I've never had those. I've never been able to keep it on a base level, but I've had great sloppy drunk nights. That's why I kept drinking. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. if every night were a fucking sad Bukowski shit show, I wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. even started. I wouldn't have kept going. I think because there was causes us to quit in the end, huh? It was well. It's the mental. I don't know, man. The 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 whole. I mean, we read a whole book about it <laughs> about the biochemical effect of alcoholism, but then the psychological effect of it too, where you do get those handful of really good drunks, and you're like, I need to repeat this process, you know? So. But then you have that other part of your brain that's like, we need to repeat. We need to just keep pushing this butt to the button falls off, you know, the until the uh, incompetence. Yes, exactly. And you and I are our remembrance of it is different. Like you look at it like Mm-mm, that it was all shit. It all sucked. And I look at it like some of it was pretty fucking rad, but I don't. But it's not worth it. It's not worth it because right. they were rare. They were very rare. It wasn't every time, but some of it was. A lot of fun and that context doesn't exist anymore so for me to try and recreate that yeah dude today you're a different dude now you would know be I mean? would be ridiculous nah you got that aa fucking your brain all up uh, too tell dude. me you about gotta get a couple <laughs> drinks so you start feeling sad dude it's bridge time um it's like so, time to jump off a bridge anyway hello darkness my old friend you know what i mean like it's not yes. a wonderful life yeah no it is not <laughs> so i want to before we get into the letter for today, I want to mention something that I am going to be um, a guest on another podcast called yeah. Rico 12. And it's not about the Rico Act. It's not about racketeering. But uh-huh. It's R-E-C-O 12. And um, everybody's invited here. It's going to be next. It's a live Zoom meeting next Friday at 10 a.m. So, well, whatever. I think this podcast will already be out. But um if you hear this first thing, if not, it'll be out the following Monday, but um, uh-huh. it's called Rico 12. Um, go check it out. What's the and context? So the context is <laughs> um, he basically, the guy uh, reached out to me and he said, pick a topic, whatever you want. I was like, I don't fucking know, man. I'll just tell my story or whatever. And then I thought, I said, well, how about cut the shit and do the work? And, right. uh, he's like, I love that, but can uh-huh. we just call it something else? Cause He's just there. There, there will be no swearing on this particular it's podcast. A recovery podcast. Though? It's a recovery podcast. Oh. And so, basically, what they do, the cool thing is, he does a live Zoom meeting, and there's a Q and A afterwards, mm-hmm. and then he posts it. So, if you're only hearing this on Friday and you're like, "Shit, I missed it. I'm sorry. I should have said something last week." But um, it will be out on Monday, Rico Twelve, and you'll be able to listen to that if you want to. So cool. I'm just going to do my do my spiel about how I try not to listen to my own fucking excuses. Cutting the shit, doing the work. Yeah. But we're going to, I told him I call it cut the junk. <laughs> cut it's the weird. junk. Covering so uh, podcast and no cursing. I know. 
Um, he said, you know, if there's an errant dam or hell or something like that, but I think he was trying to make it as palatable for everybody. Cool. So, um, whatever. Well, go listen I'm looking to forward that. to it. Go you listen don't to get that. enough recovery from us. Get some mm-hmm. extra recovery on the side. I will be doing nothing. <laughs> That's what I got upcoming. I got art. That's it. Beautiful. That sounds. What are you working on right now? Is it a commission or a? I got uh, a commission. I'm doing the Atascosa Mountains, uh, a painting of the Atascosa Mountains, which is in southern Arizona, and I will be working on a mural in a bar, actually. A bar that I had an art show at. I got commissioned to do a mural for them. So I'll be working no on that. Collaborating with another artist out of Tucson named Donovan. Donovan, oh, I don't know. White? I think his last name is White. Donovan's mm-hmm. awesome, though. I've known him forever. And he's a bartender, actually. Huh. So I can't escape the bar world, can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you you can't escape the the context, but certainly you, it, you can cre- you're creating a new context. Well, yeah, and they're the only people yeah. who show my art. So, you know, it's not like <laughs> right? I can go into you know, one of these, these Southwest places and be like, anybody need a painting of a shirtless guy with a baseball bat? And they'd be like, no, we're, we, we work in copper and coyotes here. Right. <laughs> I, I got to start painting those. So I've been trying to work on my copper coyote game. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought we're going to do Q and a number five. We've done, I've done a few of these before. Jeez. Um, and I know, right. And there was only one question. I don't think that we can, um, we can fully answer, uh, but maybe you have some thoughts on this. It says, I'd be interested in hearing about recovery after relapse, specific coping mechanisms and how it's different or similar after relapse. Now, Mm. I haven't had a relapse. I saw that question. Yeah. And the only thing I can say, and it's from uh, Strange and the Familiars on Instagram, um, is that every single, the anecdotal evidence that I have that I've heard from other people, the secondhand information is I... I was not diligent with whatever my program was, or I allowed things to slack off, or I ignored warning signs when I should have heeded them. Like if I was feeling shitty or depressed or any of those things, like those things being, I mean, it's like anything, right? You, You can't, if once you, once you build muscle, you can't just go, okay, I worked out enough. I can quit now and I'll be fine. Yeah. Like it has to become a thing you do every day or whatever for the rest of your life. Right. So no, I'd I mean, say, yeah. Yeah. Like you learn a lesson in relapse. That's again, that's just what I've heard. And mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, okay. My advice, I haven't relapsed either. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. No. I, I want to say I haven't relapsed yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I don't, you know, I, I really wouldn't want to. But that being said, I also don't want to send that messaging out that it's the worst thing that could ever happen because it's not. It's not. Nope. You relapsed. So what? Don't, don't, don't drink again. If you don't want to drink again, don't drink again. If you want to drink again, if you're a degenerate falling out of your car, fucking your life up alcoholic, and it's working just fine for you, go God, just don't drive the car, you know? But other than that, like, if you really want to, not drink anymore and you have a desire to not drink and you relapse it's not the end of the world you just Mm -hmm. dust yourself off and learn what made you relapse learn what worked in your recovery previous to that relapse and just keep working that program Mm -hmm. keep working your program doesn't have to be that the program but that's all relapse is is um when i first got sober i remember somebody hit me up on facebook who was a i knew from recovery from my dad and he said 
they tell you that relapse is a part of recovery. And I think that's bullshit. You don't have to relapse. And I was like, you're right. I don't have to relapse if I don't want to, you know, because sometimes people tell you, well, I have no choice in the thing I just did. No, nah, I mean, that's where we hit that weird sticky line, right? Where it's like, well, what is alcoholism? Is it a disease or is it a choice you're making? And it's both just like relapse is part of the disease and part of the choice you're making, you know, there's no binary in it. But that being said, I think that when you talk about the relapse and somebody says I had no choice at the point right there, then yeah, like if this is relapse and you're over here, there's plenty of choice up until you get to the point and then boom, there's no choice. There's no choice. Right, right. It's like the one choice that leads to having no choice. Do you know what I mean? But I think that I, I now look at my life in, in respect to when of all the choices that I have now. Mm-hmm. so that I don't get to that point of no choice. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm having, you know, for as miserable as I seem and as miserable as I feel most of the time lately due to, you uh-huh. know, being being in a position of transition. I, um, no, I, I like it. I like what I have going on right now, much more than what I had going on back then. And no Michelot is worth it to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just yeah. not, it just, it's no. just that that option is, the option's there. And if you relapse out there, just, you don't want to be still, in a state of relapse, well then just do what you were doing before up until the point where you relapsed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like do what got you over the hump and stick with that. And the shit that you were doing that caused you relapse. Don't do that shit anymore. Yeah. Reach out, reach out, touch faith. (laughs) Is that personal Jesus? Yeah. I love Depeche mode. Sorry. I wasn't trying to get too overtly spiritual. Touch faith. Reach out to those around you. But yeah, I can't, I don't think either of us can speak on relapse as far as alcohol is concerned. Maybe John could talk to you about ice cream relapses, but. Oh, it's, um, if it's anything like, I mean, it's just, it's not a happy place. The demoralization still, of fucking it really Rocky is, Road. dude. Yeah. Fucking the de- it really is. And I walk through the frozen food section that every time I go to the store and I'm just mm-hmm. like, and there's that moment where you're like, maybe it'll be different this time. And I'm like, maybe it will, but I'm not interested in finding out. Yeah. So I kind of have just shifted my gaze away from that. Um, I do have, uh, a, so another question, and this one's pretty simple, but Gina Velez from Facebook says, um, what's your sobriety date? July 4th, 2014. Mine's July 6th, 2015. Although it might be the fifth oh, or it might be the sixth. We're, we're like summer babies. It got, we're it just there. got too hot, right? It was just too <laughs> hot to keep hot, drinking. Dude. It was just... Oh man. Yeah. It was too hot and I was too heavy. If you don't. Right. Do you know, you're same here. I was like, well, I'm 230 pounds. And I've been were you drunk. that big? You were that big. Were you that I, big? I, uh, yeah. Right. When I stopped drinking, I was like 220, between 225 and 229, somewhere in there. I was big, I was a big man. And then I, I lost like 20, 30 pounds from quitting drinking. And then I yeah, I plateaued at 200 for years. Yeah. And now I'm like, and then I made it all the way down to 149. But then everybody's like, you look sick. You look like you're dying. Are you all right? Like I'd have clients be like, are you okay? Like literally asked me if I was sick. And then I didn't think about it. I just kept trucking along. And then uh, I lost it fast too. I lost 50 pounds in like six months, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, I guess, crazy. And then now I'm like 158. 
158, 159. I'm like, I hover around 160, 158, which my ideal is 155, but this is not our weight loss podcast. No, but I, I always thought you look great. I think you look Thanks. Great, I appreciate you know? it. There um, was like, I get, you know, you can't see it because I know this is a audio medium, but I'd get these lines. These come mm-hmm. out. You have them too. Once we lose yep. weight, like these come out more where when you, mm-hmm. your, your laugh lines, your smile lines. And I feel like, and not to get off track here, but um, just briefly, I feel like I really liked that because I was so used to the opposite, which was being so full and bloated mm-hmm. and big and round. And so I was like, yeah, I think I look better. Yeah. Even though people are like, don't get too skinny, which I've. Just, that's really weird. Like, how would you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. I feel good. Your body's going to even out where it needs to be. It's not like you're going to get so. That's yeah. so strange when people would say that to me too. And I was, they were like, you're too skinny. And I'm like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Like I'll get to where I need to be, where I'm comfortable right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like overcorrecting. Right. I'm like, right. bitch, I'm not fluffy. I'm like dying. <laughs> exactly. I'm yeah. dying, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel it's, it. Yeah. Like the shit, the shit is, I feel like we're at an age when I hear, I had somebody um, tell me and they're, they're about a decade older or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, I thought they were in pretty good health and they were like, yeah, I got uh, diagnosed with diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Yeah. And it's like, well, you just not watching certain things and just allowing shit to happen. And you know, then your blood sugar is just fucking high. And yeah. I feel like we're at this point where it can go very much. And I think that they're going to be able to correct that diabetes. Obviously there's going to be some injections and stuff, but that through diet, they're going to, you know, mm-hmm. restrict the diet and, and rework it. But, like we have to be far more diligent with what we do health wise yeah. because it's only going to get harder 10 years now. Yeah. Well, your body's a machine that you run from, from 80 to 90 some years. Mm-hmm. It's a machine that runs from 80 to 90 years. So the filters get clogged. Mm-hmm. You pour booze on it. So you burn in really hot fuel that fucks with mm-hmm. like all the, you know, you got to think your body is a machine, you know, yeah. and pouring booze on it. Like I said, it's like a fuel that burns really hot and affects all the computer parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, that's one thing that if, if, um, if you're not interested in a program of recovery or you're not interested in the spiritual aspect of it, I mean, the health benefits alone of just quitting drinking or fucking have been amazing for me. You turn pink again, instead of being all gray, looking like a chud, you know, I'd come out looking like Mr. Smithers, you know, like when he was taking those pills and he was in the woods, I thought he was an alien. Peace and love. Oh, oh, Mr. Burns. Yeah. Mr. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. It was yeah. Mr. Burns in the woods yes. being like peace and love. Yeah. That yes. was me just geetered out of fucking whiskey and the occasional mm-hmm. Percocet. Yeah. Um, what, sober uh, chick what's, 17. Yeah. Um, she just says, I'd like to know if I'm fooling myself by dating a normie. So I'll That's, let you start this one. Um, in what sense? So, I wonder. Well, I don't. I saw I don't that know. question too. I don't think so. If the normie's cool, especially if right. they're a normie, I think you'd be fooling yourself if you're dating a blackout drunk. That'd be some straight fooling, dude. Mm-hmm. Fooling. That's um, what you're doing, dating a drunk. But dating a normie, can you hang? Can you hang with the one glass of Pinot every two weeks? I don't know. I mean, how? I mean, it obviously it doesn't bother you. No, my wife will smoke pot every once in a while. She has a, she'll probably drink a beer a night. Maybe mm-hmm. now it's a seltzer. She'll drink a seltzer with my brother-in-law, my sister, and she'll have a glass of wine at dinner or 
Like she had that michelada yesterday in the middle of the day was one beer and she didn't even drink the whole fucking beer. She poured like a little over half of the beer into the Misho and drank it and left the other, like, uh, like I'd say, yeah, the other little less than a half sitting in the bottle. So that, yeah. I guess the only thing, I don't know if you're fooling yourself. Do you need to date another person recovery? I probably wouldn't recommend it. No. Because I, okay, so I was talking to my mom the other day. I was like, I don't have any friends. Like, I really don't, except for like you, you know, mm-hmm. you like, you like right there disdain. I said it, you, you, I just don't necessarily have friends in general, other than the people who are close to me. I was like, I don't drink. So I don't have that social aspect of being able to go out, have a beer. Mm-hmm. Let's meet up and have a beer, shoot the shit, make some deals, fucking make some memories. Right. And I was like, and I'm not going to make friends in recovery. And my mom's like, why not? And I'm like, you know, AA people, they're fucking crazy. They're super crazy. <laughs> and I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And you can make some great friends in recovery, but I also know they're all fucking wild ass people. There's some crazy fucking people in the rooms crazy people so i know one of them too yeah no i get it i get it and i think there's i think a lot of people feel that way because either you you find people and you connect and your only connection is about recovery and then that becomes the sole purpose identity and focus of not only the friendship but yourself and and i think that's fine if that keeps you sober and i i think that um like i and i think about that too like making new friends and in my 40s and do i what or, or even going trying to date somebody and if somebody said hey let's go get a drink and i i would i i don't i would have to just say no i mean i i mean i guess it just would not be interesting to me if somebody wanted to sit in a bar right talk mm-hmm. i mean i'll meet you for a drink if they have like yeah. good, you know what I mean? If they have good food or I can get like right. a diet Coke and we're having a good, and there's good music. If it's a good situation, but that being said, I guess the socialization aspect for me was hmm. I'd rather socialize with normies than with recovery people right now. Right. I would, yeah. it just is the way it is. Yeah. But I also, mm-hmm. I live with recovery people. They're my parents. <laughs> right. They tell so me what you're... to do all the time. I'm a 45 year old man. I've lived a right. whole life. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So but I, think I accidentally leave like the garage door open and what the fuck? I know my dad's listening to this on his drive down right now. And he's like, listen, I just don't want mice in the garage. And I'm like, I know sometimes the door doesn't latch. I'm sorry. I'm around recovery people a lot. So mm-hmm. I think there is something to be said for the fellowship of the program and for the fellowship of recovery. There is this shared thing that's really precious. I just, in my few little handful of years, I have not really made it only like one friend like my old sponsor. Do you know what I mean? Like other than that, I'm also not in the rooms looking for friends. I'm in the rooms trying not to fucking burn my life down. Right. That's, that's another thing. I mean, I, I would only say, are you fooling yourself Uh, or you, like you said, is this person a normie is, does it concern you if they have one drink every two weeks or is this, or do you see somebody, are you seeing somebody and you're like, not sure of whether or not they're, does, does their drinking make you uncomfortable? Is that right. your and if problem it does, or is that should, their problem? Well, and you should absolutely advocate for yourself regardless of the context and be like, mm-hmm. look, I'm in recovery. And when you fucking have that fucking Mike's Hard Lemonade, it makes me mad uncomfortable. So if you could not do that around here, I mean, I love you and I think you're awesome. But if you could not be drinking that half of Mike's Hard Lemonade in front of me, that'd be fucking cool. Like, give me a minute. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. always advocate for your recovery. Always. Every single time. And if 100%. they think you're weird, we'll fuck them. Fuck them in the face. 
it's true. And I, I think that I don't think that it would ever, you know, put your recovery first. You hear this all the time. And I think it's pretty Should, true because mm-hmm. there's no, there's nothing, there's none of this. If I go out drinking today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. There will be some of this, but it'll be a fucking mess. (laughs) Next pod, just John sloppy and sweaty. Like, I will know it, too. Can't hide it from me. I can see it in your face when you're out. Uh Yeah, I know, because I'm like, oh, there he is. There's like a tie hanging off the wall, another necktie. All of a sudden, Walter's in frame out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, there it is. Just smoking in a wife beater with Walter sitting next to you being pissed off at you. You know, Jerry, you know what your problem is? You need to get back be... on that pony. You need to dust yourself off and get back on that pony, Wagner. I think I figured it out, Jerry. Figured out the ratio. <laughs> the magic ratio. It's Pinot Grigio, Pinot Grigio. vanilla vodka, and a splash of diet cranberry. And you Two, cho- two choco tacos to even it out. I haven't left Got my it. room in weeks. I got it figured out. Mm-hmm. I don't have a job anymore, basically. I don't need a job. I don't need a job. Um, so this comes from Emily Davis Music. How do you get over feeling like the odd man out? Oh, that's a great fucking question because I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say what I have learned in the last couple of years, especially with like running and exercise and the weight loss and now currently, you know, the weight gain and then the current weight loss again and dealing with all this shit is I've just learned I like myself a lot better now and I don't really give a fuck. And I'm trying to figure out like, I think also that has to do with dating people. And you talked about making friends. If somebody's not interested in what I have, um, then I, I just don't care anymore because well, also I'm halfway there, right? I'm, I, we're halfway to death. Like there's not that much time left. And I'd nope. like to just, I'm like, like nodding to- <laughs> and yeah, I'm like nodding and shaking my head. And I'm just agreement. like, I would like to spend it however the fuck I want to spend it. Right. You know, and, and be whoever I want to be. And of course I want to be, it's not like I want to be an asshole about it. Mm-hmm. I'm also not interested in people who are going to tell me that, um, Hey, I don't like the way you're doing things or, or I want to make you feel like, I would wonder if this person, if she is, um, What's the group of people where she feels the odd man out? Mm-hmm. What is the context of being odd, or do you feel odd because you just I think it's because just, you're an alcoholic? And yeah, like, I think that's what it is, right? That's how I took the question. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're going, maybe you're in a situation. You know, she's a musician, and you spend a lot of time in bars because that's where musicians and artists go. Is mm-hmm. you know, um, you kind of. If you're with people who are going to make you feel odd, I think you just need to be confident in the choices you have. I When I first got sober and <clears throat> met somebody down in Oakland for, we went and got spaghetti. We went and got food. And he's like, is it okay if I drink a beer with you? Or like, can I drink a beer? And I was like, yeah, man, you should drink a beer. I'm the one who's got to drive. I'm the one who's mm-hmm. trying to not drink. Like, but you should drink a beer. And I think that that really helped cement that feeling of, I'm not. I'm not the odd one out. I'm just making a different choice. So, yeah, yeah. but it's hard though. Uh, it's hard, you know, like when I hung up my art the other day in that bar and they were like, you want a cocktail? And I was like, nah, but then my brother-in-law had a beer with him. We all sat at this table and they were all drinking and I was drinking my diet Pepsi. And, uh, 
because I like Diet Pepsi's now too, but I was drinking it and I was like, yeah, I felt like there was something I wasn't sharing within that ritual of drinking, but mm-hmm. also knew that it, it doesn't matter. Like that's not for me. I can still right. find common ground with these people, at least between drink one to five. Well, after drink five, just get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're playing music at a bar, then you're going to well, be there later you're in it for a while. Yeah, exactly. So you got to really bolster your, uh, your, your re- resor- resourcefulness, your resolve. You got to really bolster that, that, that uh, resolve. I told you, you about when I went and saw Mishka Shubali play and there was a fucking drunk guy next to me who was singing along to every single yeah. one of his song. Mm-hmm. I probably had no idea the dude was like 10 years sober or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember talking to him about it. And I think he, there was a certain level of, he's like, I'm just grateful that I have any fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Which is great. Yeah. Um, right? I just don't want to hear the same story over and right. over again. So, um, but I mean, as far as feeling like an odd man out, I mean, I think it's something, me personally, Mm-hmm. I think it's something for me to fucking celebrate. And I just, right. I'm just done. Yes. Embrace it. I've just spent so many years trying to fit in and conform with mm-hmm. even just among us. That's the thing is you, I was going to say, I felt like the odd man out even before I got sober, even mm-hmm. in my heyday of drinking, I felt like the mm-hmm. odd man out. Cause that's why I drank. Like yeah. it, it, the feeling doesn't go away until you learn to accept what you are either way even when you accept what you are you'll still feel that way i don't know you'll be all right yeah i mean i i would i would say like yeah just just accept those feelings you're it's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable okay Mm -hmm. maybe ask yourself why it's uncomfortable is it somebody else or is it within you and yeah i mean you will be okay yeah stay sober and continue it's okay to be odd yeah right? and if and steal their shit mm-hmm. like when they get loaded just take shit out of their purse <laughs> take their lighters they, they will Nothing never important. fucking notice yeah our important shit but that's not a call to action that's just a joke but right. important shit though. <laughs> um do you ever get used to this uh bryant's 77 on instagram says do you ever get used to this level of calm being in the middle it feels weird i only have ever been sky high or super low and you use the word contentment for a long time right do you get used do to i it? get used to the contentment i'm trying to i'm trying to think am i calm i don't know if calm's the right word because it's not like the contentment isn't a permanent feeling it's just little mm-hmm. glimpses of it i mean i'm still sky high and what's that was sorry i burped hell a lot into the pod what, what what were the two terms they used it was sky, sky high. high and super low I've been there sober. I've been there sober. Absolutely been there sky high and super low as far as like, you know, my demeanor and like what's going on with my mood. Yeah. I've been absolutely profoundly demoralized, depressed, sober, and I've been absolutely high as fuck, happy, sober. And I've always, I've been in the middle, but I think I'm just like any other person. I mean, I don't know even normal people who don't drink alcoholically, just stay at that i love the homeostasis thing right just stay at that homeo that baseline there is no real baseline the baseline doesn't exist but i think i have gotten comfortable trying not to chase the sky high though because i spent a lot of my time in active alcoholism trying to chase the the really high highs trying to chase them and and capture them you can't do that it doesn't work you never can so yes you'll get used to it after a while because it just feels normal there'll be days where you don't feel anything and you're like this is great I don't have a headache. I don't have a stomach ache. 
I'm not mad at anything. I'm just completely still. And it's only going to last 10 minutes till somebody comes in here and makes me do some shit I don't want to do. Hmm. I think in the first year of sobriety, I would have these moments where I would wake up in the morning and, and even at that point too, I was still, I was very overweight. Right. And I was very unhealthy and a lot, I was still smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Um, Same here. But, <laughs> but I would wake up some mornings and I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm not hung over. Yeah. This is amazing. Dude, I know. Right? And I was just like, is this, and it would be, it would be one of the, most tangible pieces of evidence that what I was doing was the right thing. And I was mm -hmm. like, I just couldn't believe it because I had literally spent the majority of the 17 years that I was drinking, like almost every single day. You used to make a joke about, I don't know, Walter or Coda or somebody, or maybe me. And you're like, yeah, dude's been hung over for 15 years. Yeah, And, like, <laughs> and it was true. It's true. Uh -huh. Like I think about it. There was never, there was no like taking breaks. I mean, there was a couple, but nothing. There was no like, oh, I better take it easy tonight. It was like, I feel like shit. I better mm -hmm. get drunk again. Mm -hmm. And then it was just over and over and over. And so yeah. to wake up without a hangover was this, it just felt like a miracle. And it's like a fucking revelation. <laughs> like, it was like a new discovery. Like you had just discovered something new that no one else had not discovered. Right. You're like, I don't feel like death. Uh-huh. Has anyone tried this before? <laughs> I get and I think that was probably the my my biggest moment of like, oh my God, this is great. I have to share this. Jerry, one day at a time, bro. Just got back from the meeting. I woke up on uh, a Sunday morning. I love you for it though. And, and you know what's great is that you when you were in your ODAT phase feeling great, you were still heavy and still fucking chain smoking. So you'd wake yeah. up, light up a cigarette and sweating and be like, Man, I feel good. Like, I don't feel bad right now. Do you uh -huh. know what I mean? So then yeah. at that point, all you got to do is just keep leveling up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, I think, yeah, you get used to anything, right? You get used to the fucking demoralization. You get used to the drinking. You get used yeah. to that over and over and over yeah. and over. And so I think- I mean, you I, did. You got used to the hard part. So get used to the part where it's hard in a different way, but not as hard. Yeah. I think if you're feeling sky high on a day, you should really lean into it. Not that you should try and- like I'm not saying overdose on feeling good or whatever, but yeah. you should enjoy it in the moment because it's going to be gone. The same thing to remember too, when yeah, savor it. super low, mm -hmm. it doesn't always work as, as easy as easily, but I go, okay, I feel super low, but this is going to pass mm -hmm. even if it's going to be in a day or two or five. Well, or and seven. if you're chasing it with chemicals, it's never sincere. Right. It's always, it's all act of insincerity, right? It's never, right. It's, I mean, it's happening. It's really happening, but it's not really the real thing. It's happening like a magic trick is really happening. Mm -hmm. David Blaine didn't make that quarter come out his fucking other arm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's all subterfuge and little slights of hand. And that's all, that's all alcoholism was to me. Those highs and lows, they were really happening, but they weren't really happening. You know, yeah. it was always like a fake version of what is happening. So at least in recovery, I have the, the sincere version of highs and lows. I can be demoralizingly depressed and know that that's actually just the chemicals in my brain making it happen. Not the chemicals I added to my brain. Right. You know? And you just, you just recently talked, we talked about this and you said something to the effect of like, Oh, I'm, I came out of my depression and like you were feeling like specifically, and maybe it was from external things as well as internal, but that you had mm -hmm. gone through a period. And I feel like it was like 
a week or two or three. I'm still in it. I thought I came oh. out of it, but it, it was just a little, I just took a little, little breath and went right back down. This is right back into it. It happens, and but it also comes with transition and change and mm-hmm. things not being the way they used to be. And but that that's that's part of the deal, man. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna drink about it because, like I said, trying to chase that chemical high that whether it's alcohol or coke or whatever yeah. it is, it's just capturing lightning in a bottle. It ain't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get fucked up trying to do it. You're gonna yeah. get shocked. Yeah, it just doesn't work. You do it, maybe you get a glimpse of it once, and that's it. You know. But you, you don't, but you're not over there going, this is how it's going to be forever. Right. You're what, like, the well, sadness. No, yeah. well, it's not even de- sadness. It's like depression is a whole different thing, but right. no, I know it passes. Cause I've been through it. I've been through it in active alcoholism and in active recovery. So right. I know that it's temporary and sometimes they last a long time. And there's sometimes my baseline is depressed anyway. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a happy, joyous person all the time as I portray myself on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) my baseline is, is like some form of depression. It's just how it is. It's just how Mm -hmm. I live. And it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not a tragedy. It's not a sad thing. It just, that's just how it is. It's just like a person who has a permanent limp and their baseline is a permanent limp. You know, Mm -hmm. there's always be some form of depression in my life. It'll never go away, you know? So, and I'm not going to take pills for it because I'm not, I'm not there. Oh yeah. shit. Are we going to start scratching on this in the podcast? I don't need that. Depression and pills. Oh God. Um, yeah. Well, no. I don't want to be like, well, I'm not that bad depressed because I remember being an alcohol, like an active alcoholism and being like, I'm not that bad of an alcoholic yet. I was. <laughs> yeah. So who yeah. knows? Yeah, you were. Yeah, I was. I mean, it was, it was, oh, it's, it's so easy to judge ourselves by somebody worse than us and then to feel better. And it's like, that's all it is. It's just like judgment and be like, well, mm-hmm. at least I'm not that person. At least I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. I may have, I may have uh, empty vodka bottles underneath my bed, but at least I don't, at least I have a bed. Right. Mm-hmm. So it becomes right. this like constant, you know, what we, what's the word? Um, uh, it's manageable, right? That's the, that's the manageability of it. Well, I sleep in my car, but at least I have a car. Or, you know, and as far low as it goes. So I think um, it's all just the fucking, like we talked about before, the context of the situation Mm -hmm. and what is really necessary and important for you to feel okay and fucking Mm -hmm. contentment. And the pain's not going to last forever. I know that specifically and i always use this and i always use a physical analogy like talking about you know running and and weight loss and stuff like that because it's been much easier for me to see it and and for it to be tangible like when my yeah. back hurts like the last couple nights i've had that i have this spot in my back and it fucking hurts and then i gotta go to work and i'm moving tables and i'm lifting shit and i'm on my feet for you know six or seven hours and I get home and I'm like, I finally relax and my back just starts throbbing. So I'm like, it's going to be okay. We're going to go get the tennis ball. We're going to lay on the ground. We're going to rub it out. Yeah, I see your tennis ball back there. <laughs> yep, that's there's it. there it is. We're going to pop a couple ibuprofen. We're going to get some sleep. I wake up in the morning and I go, oh, it's better now. It's mm-hmm. just because I that's just what I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. And I'll get it figured out and I'll get it fixed and it won't become a chronic all the time problem. But right now it is. So but I still feel better than I ever did before when I was drinking and weighed yeah. 180 pounds or 265 yeah. or whatever it is. Um, it feels weird. Yeah. It all fucking feels weird. <laughs> like everything feels weird. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's okay too. 
mm-hmm. for things to feel weird. Um, progress, dude. What is it? Progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking for. This is from uh, grateful.melancholic. How do you leave? How do I leave behind shame and just be publicly proud of my sobriety? I would say, I mean, for me, I don't think my first goal was to be publicly proud. Mm-hmm. I was not interested in honestly in sharing it with anybody or I was just trying to figure it out. Um, and I had a lot of shame and guilt about everything that I had done. And for me, it was going through basically steps four and five of the big book. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, if that's not for you, if you're not interested in that, I mean, I think it's important to do steps one, two, and three first, but yeah, don't go straight to four or five. Come on now. (laughs) But I think as far as releasing, and I still have some shit, like I found those old VHS tapes and I was like, Oh God, why did I digitize these? I should just delete them. Um, And I was like, it's just fucking gross. Now I don't need to share every gross moment of my past with people. Um, But I think, and I don't know how much sobriety this person has, but I think that you can, after a while, you begin to build sobriety, gain momentum, and then you have something you can be proud of so that when it comes up in conversation, because I don't, in my regular life, I don't talk about it with people unless it's brought up. You and I do this thing, and then there's like the A's for Alcoholic Instagram, and that's that's where the, all that lives. Mm-hmm. But um I think as far as me being publicly proud, it's more in just the way that I live, right? And yes, so yes, absolutely. There's plenty of stuff that's going to pop in my head and be like, God damn, I'm really ashamed of that. Yeah, you're I, always going to have cringe, dude. <laughs> cringe will I, never go away. Right, and then I think that that becomes steps eight and nine, right? Is the uh, make the list and and say you're sorry. So, Call, yeah, jeez. Oh, Call them motherfuckers. I, be like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry I peed your bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I have found when I do that, when I have done that in the past, most people are like, oh, I forgave you for that years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Are so, they like, you peed my bed? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the other one too. <laughs> no, it wasn't so, me. It was John. <laughs> so how do you leave behind the shame and just be publicly proud of your sobriety, Jerry? <sighs> well, shame is like uh, shame is a thing that teaches you a lesson, right? I think mm-hmm. that's what it's there for. It's an emotion that teaches you not to do that thing again. Right. There's your consequence, those actions. I feel like depending on what it is you do, it's useless. There's no shame use in is. it to walk around carrying the shame of things you have done in the past that you've already tried to amend for or things that you are actively working on in the moment to amend for or fix. I feel like carrying that shame around doesn't, does you no service. It does you no service. So it's not worth it. I just, so for me, and then, so for me, there are things I feel really ashamed of, you know, my actions, things I've said, things I've done, but I don't keep going back to them, obsessing on them because they do me no service to wake up every day and go, oh shit, I treated my ex-girlfriend this way in 2000 right. and wake up and think about it every day. It doesn't, it does me no service. It does me none at all. I know I, what I did was wrong and hurt someone and so i make amends to that person and then they either accept it or don't and then i move on because mm-hmm. for me to carry that weight around it doesn't work it's just it's i feel i feel like it's kind of um self-absorbed actually 
it's almost an extension of one's ego, right? If you're carrying around obsessing on what you did, you're like just too busy looking at one little detail of the whole thing and obsessing on it. So, and as far as like proudly, publicly proud, what was the, I, I, I can't get the term right. What was it? Proudly to be publicly proud of my sobriety. Right. And you should be, you absolutely should be. Even if you're feeling shame, you should be. Even if you're feeling shame, you should be. You should be, you should absolutely, because you accomplished something that everybody, not even, fuck what everybody else thinks. You accomplished something that you thought was impossible for yourself and now you're doing it. So you should absolutely be proud of it. That being said, you don't got to mash it in everybody's face 24 seven, but you should definitely be like, yo, I, you know, I don't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm sober and I like it. I'm I'm in recovery and I like it this way. I'm happy this way. I'm but you know, I like hey it. man, me in early recovery, I sh- like I said, I shoehorned it in every conversation. My first six months, first 10 months, I was like, hey, did you hear I was sober? People are like, who the fuck are you? You know, this yeah. is a Wendy's, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I was really proud of it. I was always really proud of it. I'm still proud of it. Sometimes it's a little embarrassing to bring up if uh, people don't know me because then they want to know stuff and then I feel self-conscious talking about it, but it's only embarrassing because I'm self-conscious about it, mm-hmm. but not at a weakness on my character. This is just what I am. You know what else has helped me um, uh, become <laughs> less self-conscious? I was what? thinking about this. Green <laughs> camel press. No, <laughs> well, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, and you know, Jerry, Jerry has every right to make fun of me for constantly trying to uh, find some way to, monetize this no it's just the way the lead-in so, was just really lead-in? funny yeah yeah the lead-in just um, sounded like you're gonna be like klondike ice cream yeah. bars <laughs> well i think posting videos of me running shirtless with fingerless gloves and fucking orange sunglasses um has been helpful now that is this is funny let's i know talk it's about obnoxious this. no some but mm to me but it's not really you but no i love it actually but i it has helped me to like not give a fuck because like if it's there then i'm like well i guess it's there i've already it's already it's already out in the ether and i'm fucking flabby and i'm 44 and it's hot out and i got fingerless leather gloves on pleather that's just naked john that's just the new sober incarnation of naked john i love it i give you shit about it Mm -hmm. but i I do it in, I just, I'm an asshole because it is really is you just being who you are, right? That's just naked John, but not drunk and waving his penis at people. Right. Yeah. And for those, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just that aspect of your personality. I do want to give a quick little, um, uh, A is for alcoholic history lesson here. Naked John was a, um, I had a propensity for just stripping down when I get drunk, not even blackout. I would just get drunk. We'd be at a house, usually at a house party. It was never in public, although that happened at parks. Fucking uh, like if there was a lake or something, I would just get naked and jump in the lake. Most places you can get naked at. Right. Most places. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and there's there's multiple stories, but just in general, um, that was a propensity I had, especially if I was at my own house because I just felt more comfortable and I could just fucking go, you know, oh, I'm just putting a different pair of pants on. What do you want? Hey guys, look at me, shock and awe. But right. uh, and then Jerry and I used to go read poems at this place. I was thinking about that too the other day, how we used to like get in front of the typewriter like a couple hours before and we'd be drinking whiskey and like, let's type up some poems to go read right now. And it was usually just fucking drunk bullshit. But mm-hmm. um, Jerry wrote this one, this whole like elaborate poem about Naked John and and this whole this whole myth became around the Eugene poetry 
community for which is even funny to say that as an adult you right. know in the eugene poetry scene i was uh, people like fucking what dude where's 1998 your, you're gonna do some yeah you do some close-up magic now where's your fedora <laughs> so um so i think that yeah you're right that is just that is just a i guess it's just more of your of your exhibitionist streak yes this streak you have so for me i can i give you a hard time about it because i'm like why are you doing that but i remember years ago you were doing something similar which was not as productive at all right which was the opposite it was destructive so i'm happy for you the only thing that's driving me nuts is your feet <laughs> you did that on purpose john put up this instagram story of like he does his daily affirmations which i also am like why are you putting your daily affirmations there but this is part of your process it's, it's not gonna for go me. it's gonna go it's to not, the next question but it's yeah. not for me to choose and then you did it you purposefully put your feet in that last picture and you just see your bare feet right under the because you know i give you a hard time about your daily affirmations <laughs> and your feet and you mix them together and i was just like i'm Jesus done dude Christ. podcast over muted muted is what <laughs> muted. i wrote. i didn't mute you i can't no but <laughs> no. I, it's well, funny. I, was just, I was just like i was like well i mean and here's the other thing like the whole internet thing like i understand that i have real life and how i go through real life and like granted you know, my internet life or what, I don't know how you want to call it. Digital, virtual, your persona, whatever. my your, persona, your, like it's, it's got like lawnmower man, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that actor? I liked him. He was, he was kind he was of on lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was he, was he the pilot on lost? Was that the guy yeah. from lawn? Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. That was, um, what was his so, name? Yeah. Holy shit. I know I'll have to look it up. He was um uh it was like LaFleur or something like that. I lost his name is LaFleur, but yeah. yeah. Um anyway, I'll look it up. You what was can, I saying? You're talking uh, about your digital lawnmower oh, service. I know I know it's gotten a lot more over the last year just because you know, fucking pandemic or whatever, but right. like, I'm aware that there's it's ridiculous. And I'm aware that and I think the, but I think that's part of me utilizing it to kind of just throw shit up there and then be like, well, it's out. I don't feel self-conscious anymore. Mm -hmm. like, I've got plenty to feel ashamed about. I don't need to feel ashamed about the things that I'm doing today. Yeah, you don't. So Ready? I think, I think too, that in, in active alcoholism, I was doing so much all the time that I was ashamed of that that was a base feeling, right? That was the fucking homeostasis feeling ashamed mm -hmm. of everything or not knowing what I was supposed to be ashamed about. So mm -hmm. now it's like, should I share should I do this? Is this, is this authentically me? Is this, it feels kind of fake and phony and like stupid. Yeah. Like, should I hit the share button? Should I, mm -hmm. and it's like, I just, I gave up on that too. Cause I was like, I don't fucking care. It's so ephemeral anyway. Right. Like it really is. Yeah. Cause I was about to say majority of what I post online is not genuine because I'm trying to sell you something. I'm trying to sell you a painting there are times where I'll write these long screeds about what's going on. And usually when I'm writing, if, if, if I, I only post on Instagram, that's the only social media I do. I barely even post on Reddit. Mm -hmm. And so if you're looking at myself on Instagram and you see a giant paragraph, I usually sat there and wrote that in the moment. It's like what's tumbling around in my head. And it's usually pretty sincere, but anything else is all just like buy some mm -hmm. art for me or, or, Hey, I'm running and my arm looks good in this picture, you know? Or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. but, and I know on your end, it's part of the John persona. I really know it is. I just like, I really, I have always liked fucking with you. So 
I'm very uh, yes. I, I I've made friends with a lot of people who like fucking with me. It seems to be well, like and that. so I don't even know. Like, do you have a TikTok following? Like, when you tell your jokes, are people like, "That's a good one," you know? There's like, like three people who actually interact, but there's like I don't know, three hundred. I don't know. It's just it's yeah. It's usually like one or two or maybe three people that interact. So no, there's not a huge following. I was just wondering if you had like a big following where you're like, why did the banana blah? Because it was appealing. And then boing, like some fucking sound effect or something. And I'm like, that's good. I should get some sound effects in there. Broing. You should boing. <laughs> or the, Jackie uh, the joke uh, uh, Martling. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. You're making notes right now. Get sound effects and a little effects. whiteboard in your lap. Mm-hmm. Like fart. <laughs> you need like a foghorn. Mm-hmm. Randy. That's a good um, one. So the last question comes from Mike Regan. Uh, and he, I know him from Stockton and he, he does, a, um, he actually found us and he had uh, invited me to go speak at a meeting there. Oh, okay. Here. I thought you were doing some shit in Stockton. You're like, I had some business in Stockton. Had some business meetings, had some BMs, some business meetings. So he says, you know, you're speaking of affirmations and stuff like that. And right. He says, why is journaling a major part of your recovery? I know he says, I know, but a good topic. You push me to write whenever we talk. Mm -hmm. So sometimes Michael asks me questions and um, I don't really always have the answers. And the biggest thing, and not just in recovery anymore, because I don't always think about it and it's not always what I'm writing about, but it started with this book called The Artist's Way. And if you're not big on homework, you're not going to be into it, but it like has a whole workbook and you go week by week and you do the reading and the writing and you do the little events and things and all this stuff. And, but one of the things that the big one in there, and a lot of people, um, have found helpful is the morning pages. And so it starts off with, I think she just says, do three pages a day. And that used to be a fucking chore to do three pages a day. And if you, if you just go and write three pages, it'll take you about 12 minutes. It doesn't take very long, maybe 15. But so now I've just gotten to the point where I'll sit down. I sit down for 30 minutes. Sometimes I set a, a timer or or I'll just play, like, I'll find some ambient music that I know is like 25, 30 minutes and I'll just play it and I'll just write. And if I don't have anything to say, I'm like, yeah, the coffee was pretty good. I put too much cinnamon in it. There seems to be a new bird in the yard or it's a sunny day. Like, it's so, so now, but this gets it going, right? So this is not really for everybody or anybody except for myself, but I've been doing this for like four or five years now, maybe four years. I should pull all the books out and like, it's just at a, a, at a certain point, like a page and a half or two pages, something will click and then I'll be like, oh, that's the thing that's um, bothering me. Okay. Or, oh, that's the thing that I think is bothering me. And then find out, oh, later, oh, it's really this thing. So all that shit that I wake up with and I go, huh, Jerry didn't like my post about my affirmations, which I was just trying to share, right? I was just like, this is just kind of what I do. You don't have to do this. And I don't do it every single day where I'm like, I am kind, I am powerful. I am. But for me, it was like, okay, I just want to feel these things. And I was, it was one of those days where I'm not going to have much interaction. So I'm just going to say this to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> but I often will find whatever I'm looking for and just get those thoughts out. And so that's kind of why journaling has been 
um, helpful to me, especially when you've got all this shit rolling around in your head in early recovery and you're like, I don't know how to fix this. Yeah. And you don't have to fucking know how to write. You don't have oh. to know how to write well. It's not for anybody. You're not being graded. It's literally just to get, a lot of it is just to get the garbage out of my head. And mm -hmm. so I've upped it to about 30 minutes a day, which I just set my alarm a little bit early. And then I wake up and I have my coffee and either I'll read my book or write or, or swap that. And um, I have just found it personally helpful to getting through the weird thoughts and getting them out or sometimes I have an, an epiphany and sometimes I just sit out the window and write a couple pages and that's it. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you feel. I know you're not a, you're not a journaler, but. No, um, I forget but. that you live alone. <laughs> I do. And that's why you do that sometimes. Cause you're uh -huh. not really talking to anybody mm -hmm. or expressing those things. Not that I walk out in the kitchen and tell my mom I'm powerful. She'd be <laughs> like, you're fucking crazy. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> But, uh, you know, like I don't uh -huh. have, you don't have that interaction I have with right. nine. I have with eight other people. So it's different. But even in Eugene, I didn't really journal. I just never journaled. I mm -hmm. just have never expressed my, because I draw and I paint. So if I have to express something complex, I guess I just get it out. I express myself in that way, you know, mm -hmm. or I always made like music. So I would express it in that manner. But nah, man, it just journaling doesn't work for me. Even a recovery didn't work for me. Even doing the steps, like doing the four step and writing it down, I didn't like it. Like I just, well, it's not, you're not supposed to like it, Jerry. You're supposed to love it. You're supposed to be like an ecstatic <laughs> ecstasy the entire right. time, just in a state of complete ecstasy. Like a roller coaster ride. Just enjoying uh, the hell out mm -hmm. of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, I just, yeah, I don't know. It just helps me get my, collect my thoughts. That's your, or but to you've always, them. you've always, that's your process. You've always written though. Even when you I were have. drinking, you wrote, mm -hmm. you wrote, even if mm -hmm. it was nothing, you were still writing something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I, have, I, I wrote poems just so girls would like me. Would you, would you say that your poems were more, were, they were more written to be perceived rather yes. than, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But, it was all performative. I still like, some, I love yeah. writing poems though. And you shared some stuff that I'm like, wow, that's really good. And there, I, there was one that I took and I made a little movie with uh, Joe Valentino's music. Right. It was just but, lyrics uh, to a Three Doors Down song, dude. <laughs> that I that you stole. <laughs> yeah. If I go crazy, will you still call me Superman? <laughs> is that Three Doors Down? I don't know who that. No, is. that's um. Puddle of mud. Yes, it is. It is Three Doors Down. I was oh. thinking of Three Eyed Blind. Mm -hmm. Oh no! What was the other one? It was. I remember hearing this story. It was like from a teacher. Mm -hmm. It was a teacher I knew who was telling another teacher I knew. We were all at a barbecue and she was like, oh, one of my students, he's this really troubled student and he wrote this beautiful poem and it like really touched my heart. And she's like, and I even, I have it. Like they were talking about, she's like, I have it on my phone. And so she started reading this poem and she was like, I don't want the world to see me because I don't want them to know who I am. Do you know what song I'm talking about, though? I do. It's called Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. So that's what it was, this Goo Goo Dolls song. And this lady thought it was, that's pretty much my poetry. I'm just giving you Goo Goo Dolls lyrics. Thank you. Just cut all this stuff out right before I froze. We'll just we'll just start right on Goo Goo Dolls. Goo Goo Dolls. That's recovery um, is just Goo Goo But yeah, I mean, if you ever see the VH1 behind the music about the Goo Goo Dolls, it's pretty fucking to the heart. The guy from Gin Blossoms is from Tucson. The guy who wrote Hey Jealousy. Yeah. Yeah, he died here of alcoholism, actually. Jesus. Yeah, you start a band called the Jim Blossoms. Hmm. Right. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, poor guy. So rest in peace, Jim Blossoms, dude. 
So I, that's what I, that's why I write because it gets, it sorts my thoughts out in the best way I know how. Mm -hmm. And I want to say too, that I don't think you're inauthentic in your painting, in your art. No, I never thought you thought that. But that you you, you said something asshole. about being inauthentic oh. in in when you're posting it. You're like, I'm just trying to sell you some shit. But no, yes and no. Like I guess what I'm saying is I'm not really portraying. I don't know. It's we're all fake on the internet, dude. That's all yes. I guess I'm trying to say is yeah. So so please subscribe to our podcast. <laughs> we're real on this thing though. Yeah. This is the realest conversations you'll ever hear. Real Basically, talk. I mean. We're like real, real sex on HBO, but we're talking mm. about recovery. So there's nothing horny at all. It's just kind of weird. Real recovery on HBO. Real, real recovery. It's just, yeah, bathrobes and cigarettes in a circle. Just... God. So I think yeah. that's all of our cues. And that's, that's all, all our cues. All of our A's. Mm. You saw our A's. Thank you for the cues. And we'll see you uh, next week, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have a special guest for W. That's right. You're, uh, your father's going to join us. Yeah, he wants to talk to us weeks. about W. We'll see how this is. And another thing, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I. It's going to be great. He always has really good insight. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Later. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs>